Warning. The stories in this podcast contain depictions of violence and suggestive themes. Listener discretion is advised. BLF Agent in Charge 0602, filing report for Project 1980, codenamed Broken. The double agents have nearly destroyed the BLF. Action Plan Omega has been enacted, and we've splintered into multiple working cells. I have been assigned as the designated controller for the Eldritch Eye, and continue to send my daily reports from a hidden location. I've sent the remaining members of my team into the High Bridge alternate reality to indirectly help Nikki Reed. But they must remain in the shadows, else the unknown demon could jump realities again. Also, hiding in plain sight was the only thing I could think of to keep them safe. The days and nights are lonely. But time has lost meaning. Voices come from the Eldritch Eye. The void speaks in whispers. The chaos is not over yet. I can hear its heartbeat across the void. The Eldritch Eye. It's staring at me. Broken. File 304 begin. Special consultant Nikki Reed has picked up the strangeness in Highbridge. But Aaron is not done unleashing his wrath against those who have wronged him. 
His mind is further shattered as events continue to spiral out of control. Broken, file 304. End of report. I kept seeing the faces of my best friend and my ex-wife being bashed bloody over and over again. I was equal parts disgusted and deliriously happy. It felt like I was a passenger in my own body. I drifted on autopilot through the mindless tasks on the factory floor. You're gonna answer your fucking radio sometime today? This is Aaron. Finally, put on a suit, get a forklift, and move your ass over to Hazmat 12. Now. I wonder what the emergency was now. Joel was always wound up about something. I didn't need his shit today. I was buried under the workload of two people. Brad was a no-called-no-show. About fucking time. Look at this mess. Hazmat 12 was where the company stored all its dangerous or failed projects. It was isolated and ignored by just about everyone that didn't need to go there. Nothing was supposed to stay more than five days. But the way this place cuts corners, items often stayed a month or longer. What do you want me to do about it? Organize it, smartass. We got our new owners coming in the next few weeks. I have trucks coming in beforehand to get rid of most of this shit. Wait, what do you mean, new owners? Are you deaf? ISB was bought out. They'll probably close everything down for a month while they retool or some shit. I put you and your loser friend Brad on the list to be fired or transferred. Fired? How am I supposed to take care of my family? Who cares? That bitch of an ex-wife is taking most of your pay and alimony anyway. Guys like you are a dime a dozen. I could probably find your replacement for half the price down at the Home Depot. Now, get this shit ready to ship out. If you run over on your shift, too bad. No overtime slips will be approved for this week. You might finish on time for once, if you skip your lunch. Oh yeah, almost forgot. I had your piece of shit truck towed from the lot. You didn't renew your company parking pass. That mother f Really? My truck? I don't need this stupid fucking job. I can't be fired. It sounds like we have another problem that needs to be resolved. We can't do anything here. There's cameras everywhere. 
So, let's get him when he goes home. He leaves early today. It's his Friday. You're not listening. Let's go visit him. In the Heights. Yeah, the Heights. That's where ISB gives all their execs and managers a free place to stay. But how will we get past the security? <laughs> Haven't you learned to trust me yet? common threads between Brad and Helen was Helen's ex-husband, Aaron. Brad was Aaron's best friend, according to the interviews, and Aaron and Helen had a son, Marcus. Even if Aaron had a solid alibi, this visit would provide valuable background to our victims. There was something not right with this house. I couldn't shake the feeling. I felt a pressure on my chest. Terrible thoughts raced through my head. I filled my lungs with deep, calming breaths. You okay, Nikki? I'll be alright. I was just trying to clear the Elm Street scene from my head. I was hoping this Rathman guy could help connect some dots. Yeah, me too. Plus, we need to let his kid know that his mom is dead. That too. Who's there? Detective Scott Solomon with Highbridge PD. I need to talk to you and Aaron Rathman. Can you open the door, please? Are you Marcus? You got ID? Sure, kid. Who is that with you? My name is Nikki Reed. I work as a special consultant with the Highbridge PD. Can we come in for a minute? I can talk to you out here. My dad isn't home right now. He's still at work. Fair enough. Is your mother Helen Rathbun? Yeah. There's no easy way to tell you this, but she's dead. She appears to have been murdered. I watch a glisten wash over his eyes, as if they unfocused and refocused for a second. A chill ran down my spine. The air felt thick, and I struggled to remain outwardly calm. Something was wrong. Uh, you all right, kid? Yeah, I understand. When did it happen? Sometime last night. When was the last time you talked to your mom? She called me a few days ago. I was supposed to see her new house next weekend. Do you know where your dad was last night? He was here with me. He helped me with my report for school. Then we watched TV until after the news and went to bed. Shadows gathered inside the house. I reached out and steadied myself on the porch railing. I closed my eyes to steady the vertigo, then nothing. Everything just returned to normal. You all right there, Nikki? Yeah, it's... it's nothing. I looked at Marcus and didn't get any of the same feelings. I reached out with my senses and felt... nothing. A blank, empty, nothing. That was almost as disturbing as the shadows from before. Look, Marcus, 
is there someone we can call for you? Someone that can come over or anything like that? I'll be alright. Dad'll be home soon. How was the relationship between your mom and dad? I don't know. I could hear her yelling at him a lot over the phone. But dad didn't think I could hear. But I heard enough. Here, take my card. Have your dad call when he can. We need him to answer a couple questions. It might help us narrow down a suspect. Alright. You sure about not having someone come? Okay then. What do you think, Nikki? I don't know. There's something strange happening and I don't know if this is just the beginning or it's a one-off. Highbridge is a magnet for the weird. You don't have to tell me. I know. The impound yard was closed by the time I finished my work. A bus ride later, and instead of home, I saw the heights. I discovered that the back entrance was unsecured, and it led me up to an emergency stairwell. It was time to see how far down the rabbit hole this adventure would go. Now, I was staring at the front door of the world's biggest asshole boss. It was bad enough losing my first love to my best friend, but then to turn around and mess with how I provide for my son? It was too much. I had no plan, but I had a pair of gloves. Go ahead. The doors are locked. I reached down and gently turned the knob. To my surprise, the door wasn't locked. I stepped inside into the unknown. My heart beat faster as I looked around the posh space. I didn't see any sign of Joel. I froze at the sound of a chair pushed across the hardwood floor. I melted into the wall and waited. As soon as I saw Joel, I knew I wanted his blood. I wanted his soul. This bastard would pay. Tonight... He draw his last breath on Earth. The knife from the butcher's block looked brand new and sharp. The blade was weighty in my hand, and I knew it would have no problem piercing flesh and carving through bone. I stole a quick glance around the corner and saw that Joel's back was towards me at a desk. The glow of a laptop light surrounded his body with an unnatural halo. 
I pulled the knife in tight and came around the corner fast. Who the fuck are you and what are you doing in my home? Panic washed over me as I stared down the barrel of a pistol aimed directly between my eyes. My hands were frozen in place, almost twitching in anticipation. Aaron, is that you? <laughs> What's wrong with your voice? I felt like I was back in the theater of my mind as an innocent spectator. I watched as my body moved with an unnatural speed my right hand open, letting the knife drop to the floor. My left hand reached out and gripped hard on the slide of the gun. My pinky made it just in time to stop the hammer from falling on the firing pit. I pushed my full body weight into Joel and shoved him hard. He left his feet, hit the wall, and bounced back to the floor. Somehow he kept a hold of the gun as he struggled winded on the floor. We are legion. We are many. We were once cast aside, but now we've returned to take revenge. I mounted Joel's back and quickly pulled him up to his knees from behind. I reached out and took control of his gun hand, pulling back the hammer. I felt Joel's muscles tense as I forced the gun around his face and placed the barrel in his mouth. I forced my finger over the top of his and pulled the trigger. No! No! I... No! Joel's brains and skull splattered on the desk and wall behind me. I let go of the body and let it fall forward. I watched the blood pump a few times out the hole in the back of his head. Stood up and checked myself. I was clean. No blood. No blowback. Nothing. I couldn't believe it. I examined the carnage behind me. A bloody mess cried down the white wall. His awards, certificates, diplomas were covered in drippy gore. Now the best part. The thin soul exited through the hole in his head. I reached out and embraced it like a long-lost lover. The smoke circled my body and then entered through my chest. I was filled with vigor and the essence of life. A righteous, vengeful justice flowed through my body. I needed this feeling to survive. I could tell that there was nothing else in this world that would satisfy. Nothing else in this world that could nourish like this. I looked at the laptop on his desk and noticed something that caught my eye. Joel had his work email open, and I saw a company message from our plant boss, Cody Comstock. Joel, I appreciate you sending me that list of personnel to lay off. With the cuts you recommended, we'll save almost another $100,000. We're going to shut down the plant for about a month to retool and move some products around. 
Why don't you join me and your new bosses at a get-together this weekend? They plan to buy more local businesses in this town and make changes to drive up the profit margins. I know they'll love some of your ideas about how to cut the labor costs. The invite is attached. Print it out. Bring it with you next weekend. Respectfully, Cody. I looked over at the printer and saw the invite information already printed out. I picked up the paper and stared at it. This motherfucker didn't just help sell out the plant. He was planning on selling out the whole town of Highbridge. It looks like we did everyone a favor. Joel already sent off the changes to hire. I probably won't have a job at the end of next week. That's true. But we do have a party to attend. This time, I think I have an idea. Oh, really? Time to make all of them pay. Supplemental Report Priority Routine for BLF Committee Review File Name Exit 95 The following was recorded on James never thought that he'd have to stay up this long while on a road trip. His friend Tom isn't helping much either. This is a trip that they won't forget anytime soon. BLF Agent sent me this report before he died. When will the carnage stop? Adding report to case project file 1980. End of report. strip woke me up. I was exhausted. I'd only been driving for a few hours. Or was it several? The interstate went on forever, winding through the darkness in the trees. 
How much further did I have to go? The GPS screen was fuzzy. A few hours more? Shit. The AC was cranked to full blast, 80s rock and metal blaring. But that wasn't helping. The cold was soothing. And the music was just noise. My eyelids were so heavy and... God damn it, not again! I needed to get off this road. Get some gas and some sleep. There was no way I'd make it a few more hours. It'd be easier, but I shouldn't pull off to the side of the road. I could get a ticket or wake up to some freak with their face pressed against the glass. I'd have to take the next exit and find something. As I felt ready to shut my eyes again, something flickering on the side of the road caught my attention. It was a billboard with one of the lights going on and off erratically. I couldn't see much as it was only on one side. It said exit 95. The rest of the billboard print was missing. I flicked my blinker on and guided the car onto the exit ramp. The road carved through thick forest as it took me to an intersection. I sat at the stop sign for a moment and turned right after a micro nap. I cut it too sharp and clipped the curb. Jesus Christ, man. When they say rock me mama like the wind and the rain, they mean gently, not like a fucking typhoon. I'd completely forgotten about Tom. Asleep in the passenger seat. I was that tired. How the hell could I have forgotten him? I flicked my eyes towards the rearview mirror to ensure that there were no other surprises. But the back seat was empty. We don't even get typhoons here, asshole. I'm a little sleepy over here. See if you can find a gas station and get some fucking caffeine. Maybe I'll get an air horn. If you do that, I'll leave you there. Hope you're ready to thumb it back home. Yeah, yeah, I'll thumb it up your ass. I'd <laughs> <laughs> wake someone up real quick. I'll see if I can find a gas station. Gotta fill her up and maybe pick up an energy drink. I looked over. But Tom was already turned back towards the door. The car continued down the road as a fog encroached. Thin at first, but gradually getting thicker. Where the hell was everything? I strained to see, barely making out lights in the distance. Oh good, a gas station. Get some gas, some caffeine, and head back out to finish the trip. I pulled into the gas station and up to a pump close to the road. Jeez. Oh, oh, the bright light stung my eyes and I blinked several times to adjust. The convenience store was dark. I guess they didn't have a third shift. Shit. No oh, juice. Maybe I'll get Tom to drive instead, and I can take a nap. I fumbled with my wallet and fished out my credit card. 
I was about to find out if the pump would even work. Ah, damn it. I put my card in again, and the reader beeped at me. Again. I paid my bill recently. It shouldn't be maxed out this fast. Maybe it was this bunk pump in the middle of nowhere. The street was empty, with no headlights breaking through the fog in either direction. I pulled out my phone to see if I could check my balance. No signal. <laughs> Just my luck. It wasn't like I could pay with cash. The store... was... open? Wasn't it... dark a minute ago? I absentmindedly inserted my card into the reader again and was met with an accepting beep as I continued to gaze at the now lit up store. I pushed down on the 87 with my off hand, grabbing the pump with the other. A harsh, surgical white light illuminated the mini-mart. I craned my neck around the pump, trying to see inside. It was empty, only merchandise sitting there. No one was behind the counter and the storefront seemed almost foreboding. My skin crawled at the thought of going in there for a pick-me-up. I'd get gas and go. It went from dark to light, but still not a soul inside. Something was off about this. I began to stare off into the night around me. I couldn't see anything, though. This place was out in the middle of nowhere. It was like being in my own little world. I scanned past the empty mini-mark toward the road. I continued past before my brain registered what I saw. My head snapped back to the building. What the fuck? It was empty before. Now, there was a clerk inside looking right at me. His face was smushed against the glass, breath fogging below his mouth. The hell is this guy's problem? I continued to lock eyes with this creep, his steady breathing obscuring the window. Come on, why isn't it done pumping? I flipped my eyes toward the screen, and the fuel counter slowly increased. Slow piece of junk. I retrained my eyes back on the creep in the station. I swallowed, my mouth dry. His face began slowly spreading into a smile and it continued wider than it should have been possible. The twisted grin revealed gnarled teeth. It felt like I was right in front of him and the glass, a barrier, like in a zoo. It was the only divide between this spectator and a lion, or with that grin, a hyena. His eyes bore through mine and into my soul. I began to panic, frozen to the spot. <laughs> Shit! I jumped startled by the cutoff, breaking gaze with the clerk in the station. I ripped the pump handle out and quickly capped my gas tank, panicking. 
I didn't even put the pump back. Instead, I tossed it away as if it were a venomous serpent. I reflexively pressed the button for a receipt before snapping out of it, pulling out my keys to unlock the car door. Damn it, I was moving too fast. I bent over and scooped the keys up. I turned back and that's when I saw it. Or rather saw the lack of it. Creep face was gone from the window, and all that was left was the condensation. I jumped in the car, locking the door behind me. The car started immediately, and I gunned it out of the station, not even looking before pulling out. What the hell? That station was dark. I banged my fist against the steering wheel and ran my hands through my hair, shivering. I was shaking, drained. It could have been my mind running away from me. I was in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, awake for over a day, falling on a caffeine crash. It was probably catching up to me. Regardless, I was too tired and probably delirious. I began to sway about the lanes, fatigue returning from my momentary adrenaline rush. I couldn't even tell how long ago the gas station incident was. It began to blur, rescinding into my memory. Did it happen or had I fallen half asleep with a nightmare overlapping my reality? It happened with a dream at work once. I shut my eyes for a second during a business meeting to hang out with my friends at the lake, only to wake up when called upon, blabbling about waterboarding. Shit! I came back to almost splitting my car in half on a pole, too caught up in my thoughts about wakeboarding. I couldn't keep doing this. I should be far enough away by now. It had been hours since the gas station. Shit, this was one long country road. Had there even been a single stoplight? Or did I bill right through them all? Stop it! Focus! Don't crash! I practically screamed that at myself, hoping the sound of my voice would keep me awake and focused. I went to crank the AC, only to notice it was already at full blast doing nothing for me. I almost screamed as something stirred next to me in the passenger seat. I forgot about Tom. Again. What's going on, man? What's with... <sighs> All the yelling. Where are we? Jeez. Ah, Sorry, man. Just some weird shit at the gas station. I'm exhausted and couldn't get anything at the store. Yeah, you got the AC cranked? I'm freezing my ass off here. Sorry, man. Hey, why don't you drive and I'll... <sighs> Not for a bit. I mean, you were sleeping. No can do. Can't drive stick to save your life. Maybe you should have bought something newer than a Model T. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Make yourself useful. Help me find somewhere to nap for a bit. Hmm, that ditch looks pretty appealing, don't it? Watch it, Drift King. Where the hell are we anyway? I don't know. I took exit 95 to get some gas and shut-eye. 
but now we're in some podunk town. Who knows where? This place seems pretty dead. Couldn't you have picked a normal exit? Where are all the lights? Is that a motel? I guided my car off the road into the parking lot a little too fast. The suspension bottomed out, sending a jolt through the car. Jesus, man, watch it! I'm sorry, I couldn't see the incline. Yeah, that's... that's weird. There are no lights, no other cars. Hell, the sign isn't even lit up. Is this place even open? I don't care if it's not open or doesn't have any rooms. We can sleep in the car. The back seats fold down and it'll be comfier than a wooden box. So it'll do. Sore back and cramps be damned. I gotta take a piss, then I'll take a nap, and then we'll get out of Spooksville and back to civilization. Sound good? Yeah, yeah, sure. Wake me up when we're going again. Tom turned toward the door and within seconds was out. I wished I was sleeping right now, but too many energy drinks, or were they coffees? It didn't matter. Get out, pee, get back in the car, sleep. Simple. I unlocked the doors and was about to open the door when I saw that the entire motel was lit up. Every single room light was on. Yellow incandescence flooded out into the parking lot and down at me. What the hell? Tom, you see this shit? Tom didn't respond, snoring softly. Was I that tired? Did I fall asleep in the car already? Was I dreaming? What was going on? Suddenly the gas station incident started to seem less like a fever dream. I opened the door and put my feet on the sill but stopped. The motel doors were open now too. Not one or two, but all of them. Every single one of them. And I needed to go now. I'd quickly pee in the lot, sleep in the car for a spell, and get out. Stepping out was a mistake. I reached for my fly and saw a person in every door frame of the hotel. They blotted the lights out. And all of them stared down at me. I stared at one of the closest ones on the second floor, peering over the railing at me. She was a generic looking woman with a blank face and nearly empty eyes, save for a hunger, shred of malice. My hand dropped from my fly, eyes locked with the woman. Her lip began to curl up, as if pulled by a fish hook into a horrifying display of blackened, rotten gums, jagged gray teeth interlocked. Her jaw clenched and then opened, drawing crimson lines in the black. I quickly forgot about everything but the sound of approaching feet. I returned my gaze to see the people rushing together as a large mass barreling towards me. Uh, oh god, what the fuck? What the fuck? Uh, oh god, what the fuck? No, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, oh god, oh god. Uh, 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 uh. 
I lunged into my car, painfully smacking my head on the top of the door frame. I yanked the door shut and mashed the door locks. The writhing mass swarmed my car, beaming on the shell of my cage. Running on pure panic, I quickly shook Tom awake. Tom would know what to do. He always did. Tom! Tom! What do we do? Oh, what the hell, man? What are you... on? Oh, shit. Fucking, let's fucking get out of here. Start the car! I fumbled my keys into the ignition and turned the car on, hoping that starting it would drive them off. I blared the horn repeatedly to no avail. It ain't working! Drive, goddammit! I remained frozen in terror, tears blurring my vision. Tom was trying to shake some sense into me, but stopped. Do you want to die too? Snap out of it! Tom was trying to shake some sense into me, but stopped. We both looked left, and I was face to face with the gas station attendant. Nose smashed into the window. A crack formed from the impact of his face. It's all in your hands. I'm the one. I'm your friend. Let. Me. In. <laughs> his face turned into a grotesque grin, bashing his face into the glass, teeth falling out with each strike. <sighs> Drive! Tom's hand struck me hard across the face, the sharp sting breaking my trance. I slammed the stick into first, floored it, and dumped the clutch. The engine roared and the car lurched with engagement, striking the mass in front of me. I shut my eyes and hummed, trying to drown out the screams. I turned on the radio, but all that came through was static. I left it on anyway, the static pulling my attention away from the carnage in the rearview mirror. I dared not look back as I pulled out of the motel lot without looking and blasted down the road. I must have held my breath for five minutes, hands white-knuckled to the steering wheel. I exhaled slowly, nervous tears slowed to a halt. I choked sobbed a breath as my brain began to process what happened. Oh my god. Tom, I just killed those people. What the fuck? I'm, I'm not going to try to lie to you and say they were speed bumps, but you know what? Fuck them. Would you rather it be you instead of them? I sure as hell am glad it's them instead of you. I was silent for a moment. Still breathing heavily, but starting to relax. Something tugged at my brain, but I couldn't place it. My thoughts were still a mess. Where the hell are we? I don't know. Your phone still doesn't have any service, and the GPS shows us in the middle of a green screen. Is it out of date? No idea. I'm going to ride out this road to wherever. No chance I'm going back the other way. Through the hellish whatever. The heavy fog on the road made it hard to see trees forming a tunnel around me. Hopefully, I'd make it to proper civilization, or somewhere with cell signal. 
before exhaustion took me. My adrenaline drained as the miles dragged on. I knew I couldn't fight my fatigue any longer and prayed that I'd be out of wherever here was. No sooner than I thought it, I saw it. The fog thinned, and I saw an on-ramp where the sign lit up by a streetlight indicating I-95. It was time to get out of here and forget this walking nightmare. I took the ramp and steadily got up to speed. I could persevere to the next town to get rest. I merged onto the nearly empty highway and began to feel calm. Curiously, there was no indicated on-ramp from where I came, or even a road that I'd previously traveled on. It must be out of date. Who cares? You made it! Then I realized that I was using the GPS on my phone, and it couldn't be out of date. I flicked my eyes to the rearview mirror to see no on-ramp, only a mass of fog surrounding the roadway. Tom? What do you mean, you made it? Not, we made it. Tom didn't answer. I looked over to see him fidgeting in his seat. Tom, where are we going? <sighs> My funeral, James. What? I felt sick. My mind was running faster than the car. And then I remembered. They found his car wrapped around a tree two weeks ago. Spotted by the morning rush hour traffic. He crashed on his way back to work during third shift. I'm sorry, James. I, I tried to stop it. But it appears it'll be our funeral. We were inseparable as kids. But you were always a bit behind me. Never should have taken that exit. I hardly heard him over the sound of my heart beating in my ears and the breath rasping over them, slightly chuckling. The thing about Tom's death was that it wasn't an accident. He didn't just get tired and crash like I had almost done numerous times tonight. The coroner could barely make out strangulation marks on his neck. Too high for a seatbelt. They never found evidence of anyone else in the car, except an imprint on the seat. That was irrelevant. As I passed under a light, the inside of my car illuminated. In the back seat, I saw the gas station attendant. Nose pushed to the side, teeth missing, mouth spread into a bloody grin. What? <laughs> I screamed. The attendant was in the back seat and placed cold hands on her neck. A sideways glance at the passenger seat showed that it was empty. Except for Tom's hoodie. The one he left at my apartment the last time he partied. I tried to snake the car and beat at the hands holding my neck to no avail. I was running out of time, darkness closing in, and my lungs burned. My eyes felt like they would explode. I slammed the brakes and felt the confusion as the attendant's face slammed into the headrest. I turned back, ready to fight off the attendant. 
but he sat in the back seat, cackling. The car vibrated, and I jerked the wheel upon hearing the rumble strips. I looked back, just in time to see trees. And Into the Fire was written by Arthur Unk and performed by Tanner Wood with an original score produced by J.M. Scherf. Go Ask Alice Part 2 was written by Arthur Unk, performed by J. Philip Morris, Daniel Barton, our resident old man, Katie Tatry, Eric Phones, and Spencer Leininger. Musical arrangements by Tanner Wood. Exit 95 was written by Evan Jaffe, a beloved member of the BLF management team, and performed by T.J. Hotter of The Hotter Show. Eric Phones, and Sigcorp. Musical arrangements and episode artwork by C.M. Peters. We are well into our Season 3 and have open submissions for Season 4. If you would like to have a story of yours featured here on the Baseline Feed podcast, check out BaselineFeed.com for our open submission call. If you just have an idea for a short story, our community of self-dubbed baseliners that we've built over on our Discord server are willing to give all the direction, help, and encouragement you could ever need. Consider joining us there if you need inspiration, or maybe hop in on some game nights that we host on a regular basis. Finally, we want to send a special thank you to our patrons. Your contributions to the BLF really do help keep the lights on. All the eternal love and appreciation to you guys. We're always looking to support new voice actors, writers, and producers here at the BLF. Please reach out via email if you have any interest in contributing to the show. All the links that you would ever need are in the show notes. <laughs>